Thank you for choosing Miniaturist of Baptist Church podcast. We hope you benefit from this message. If you'd like to learn more about Miniaturist of Baptist Church, please visit our website at miniaturistachurch.org. Verses 38 to 44, and that's what we'll be looking at today. If you have a bulletin, you can take some notes on the back side there. Mark 12 is one long day. We've been in Mark 12 for a few weeks now. It's one long day. It's Wednesday of the Passover week, and Jesus is in the temple. On Tuesday, Jesus came to the temple and he tore it apart because of the wickedness of it. And Wednesday, now he's back in the temple and there's a number of people following him. Jesus, after fielding many questions and teaching the people, finally sits down near the temple treasury. Here he witnesses the abuse mentioned in verses 38 to 41. In Matthew 23, that's a parallel passage, Matthew 23, uh, we will see the extended version of this event. The application practically centers around, and this is what I was talking about in our prayer, what's inside comes outside. Simply put, we know it as garbage in, garbage out. Or truth in, truth out. So let's take a look at our text. Mark chapter 12 and verses 38. We touched a little bit on this last week, but I told you we'd go a little bit deeper uh, today. Mark chapter 12, verse 38 to the end of the chapter, 44. As he taught, Jesus says, Watch out or beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogue and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more money into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live. That is the reading of God's Word. So one thing we're going to talk about, and you will notice it is prevalent with the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, is that there were, they were very involved in external ritual, external ritual, and it mentions that there. The primary responsibility of the religious leaders of that time, and they were called the Sanhedrin, they were the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, the scribes, the rabbis, all of those, their primary responsibility was to bring biblical truth to the people. They were the chosen representatives of God. Well, through time, and the Old Testament clearly exposes this, through time, that changed. And Jesus now confronts what they had become. 
the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of that time, the Sanhedrin. And Jesus goes into great detail in Matthew chapter 23. And I encourage you to turn there. And we did a sermon series on this quite a while ago, the seven woes, if you remember. But Jesus goes all through chapter 23, and this is the exact same time frame as we are in, in Mark chapter 12. You will notice the same question that was answered last week uh, is answered right in chapter 22. And then Jesus goes into the seven woes. And Jesus basically, well, brutalizes, if you will, and uh, completely condemns the Pharisees and their ways. Uh, we won't go through all of this, but basically they do not practice, verse 3, what they preach. They tie heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries, these are little boxes that they would tie on their heads with the Ten Commandments in wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the places of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. They love to be greeted in the marketplace and have men call them rabbi. And Jesus goes on, verse 13, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. And he continues, Woe to you. In verse 15, teaches the law, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Woe to you blind guides. And it goes on and on and on and on through that chapter there, and that's where we are in the book of Mark, although Mark does not record this event. Woe means damnation. And Jesus tells us in our passage to watch out. Watch out for the teachers of the law. Beware of the teachers of the law. When you have to watch out for those who are called to guide you or to protect you, you're in trouble. When you have to watch out, as Jesus is saying to the disciples and the listeners, you got to watch out for the teachers of the law. When you need to watch out for those that are there to protect you and to guide you, you're in trouble. Everything about the Sanhedrin was outward. It was outward. And that, that makes me think a little bit about my service to Christ. You know, my attendance at church. Me singing the songs. Me giving a gift. Me opening the Word. You know, we get so you, me singing the doxology, praise God from who, you know, that, that becomes kind of a ritual. It becomes an outward thing that we do. And sometimes we lose a little sense of what goes on or what should be going on in the inside. Everything about the Sanhedrin was outward. It was ritual, uh, ritual because there was nothing of substance inside. And that's what's really important here about this text. We want to make sure that there is some substance inside. And so we're going to take a look here at verses 41 to 44, and I want you to note that this is a text on abuse, not on giving. 
And I think that's important because a lot of times we look at this passage and say, this is the way we're supposed to give. And Jesus nowhere says, this is what you're supposed to do when you give. And he does not commend this widow for giving everything. It's, it's, a, it's a picture of abuse, not on giving. So this is what happens in verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. This poor woman, unfortunately, is a victim of the system. And as I shared, we may be tempted to use this passage to explain biblical giving. But that's not what this passage is about. Yes, the the woman gave sacrificially, and I think that's one thing we can learn, because sometimes... You know, I had a friend in Pella, Iowa. He says, uh, he says, I give a hundred bucks a, a month to the church. hundred bucks a month to the church. And I think to myself, you know, I know what you do for a living. And a hundred bucks is peanuts, mister. I didn't say that to him. That's what I wanted to say to him. But he says, I've always done that. That's what I'll always do. Well, the Bible talks about sacrificial giving, and I'm not sure that that 100 bucks a month was much of a sacrifice for him. So you could look at this and say, yeah, this widow gave sacrificially, and that's how we are to give, but it's more than that. It's more than that. Jesus did not commend. He didn't say to the disciples, hey, look at the way that woman gave. That's the way all of us should give. Okay, He doesn't say that. What he's doing here is he's setting her as an example to his disciples of the abuse and false teachings of the teachers of the law. And the reason he's doing that is if you look at verse 40, this is what he says about the teachers of the law. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. The Pharisees are to be protecting, if anybody, the widows, but they plunder their houses and cheat them out of their estates. And the older they get, the more pressure they put on them to give everything so that it will go in the coffers of the religious leaders. And now the Pharisees really hate Jesus. Okay. I mean, if you could imagine before this, they didn't like him. And now after all these woes of Matthew 23 and all of this stuff that's going on, and all the times that they question Jesus, he perfectly gives them the right answer. All of that, now they really, really hate Jesus. And all of those woes pronounced on them are justified by the act of this one woman. And so I think you can fill in the next line of your notes, external ritual versus internal relationship. Internal relationship. God is not interested in ritual. How many times in the Old Testament say, you know, the Lord says, hey, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really interested in your sacrifice. It's all ritual. It's, it, it, it really means nothing to me. What I'm interested in is your heart. It's your heart. I'm interested in a relationship. 
I'm interested in a relationship. John chapter 15 is a great chapter about bearing fruit and remaining connected to the vine. So I want you to turn there, John chapter 15. And uh, I want you to uh, notice the word remain. And I think the word remain here as we read is synonymous with relationship. And so I want you to think about that as we read these verses here. Verses 1, well, let's go, well, let's go for a few verses. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And look at this. Remain in me. Have a relationship with me. And I will remain, have a relationship with you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain or have a relationship with me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater ha love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. That idea of remaining, having a relationship as we remain attached to the vine and receive our sustenance from the Lord through his word, what God desires of our branch then is to bear fruit, to bear fruit. As we remain connected to the vine, the vine sustains us and feeds us through his word and through the church. God desires then our branch be fruitful. And I think the fruit of the spirit is a good place to start. Galatians chapter 5. If you're thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. How should I act? Well, here you go. Here you go. Galatians chapter 5. These are the fruits of the Spirit. This is what ought to be being produced from your spiritual life. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then all, a lot of people say that's the top, and then all these are subcategories under that. Something to think about. But the fruit of the Spirit, what ought to be coming out of you, is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And I love this verse. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. When Vicki and I got married a number of years ago, our wedding coordinator said, when you walk down that aisle, you got to be in step. All right? I, don't know if, I don't know if your wedding coordinator told you that, but we had to make sure. And so I can remember walking down the aisle, being more concerned about making sure I was in step with Vicki than about what was to occur. Be in step. Be in step. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Lord. That's the relationship. That's, that's looking down and seeing how He's walking and then us walking similar. You know? So the Lord desires a relationship that bears fruit, not a ritual that produces no real change. And somewhere in the past, these religious leaders began departing from the truth. So, it says in our first verse, watch out for the teachers of the law. Beware of the teachers of the law. And then all through Scripture, we are warned to be aware of false teachers. There's people out there that will try to lead us away. And so what I'm going to do with you in the next few moments is just get real, 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 real practical. Correct and sound doctrine, Jesus says, beware of the teachers of the law, beware of false teachers. Correct and sound doctrine are crucial, crucial to salvation and spiritual maturity. You and I need to know what we believe, why we believe it, and uh, then live what we believe. So it comes as no surprise that Jesus warns his followers of the Pharisees and other false teachers. And, and Paul also does it. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. And this is what Paul says to the church in Galatia. And verses 6 through 9. Paul says this. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But look at verse 8 and then tell me the religion that's out there that followed this principle. But... Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. What religious group out there started with an angel giving to a gentleman the Mormons? The angel Moroni gave to Joseph Smith the hieroglyphic things that Joseph Smith interpreted and used to form Mormonism. And look at that, that verse. If we are an angel from heaven, 2 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 4, 
and verse 3. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own, uh, their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, Paul says to Timothy, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Boy, we live in that time. There's a lot of false teaching out there. And one place, I told you I was going to get real practical, one place where Christians need to be aware or at least very, very careful, is what? The Internet. Oh, my goodness. The Internet. The Internet. The Internet. 70% of Americans, 70% of American adults average two hours, 24 minutes per day. Two hours, 24 minutes per day on the Internet. One-third... One-third of the world's population, one-third of the world's population, 2.7 billion people are active users of Facebook. I was blown away when I read that. One-third of the world's population are active users of Facebook. So here is my practical challenge for you. And you're going to be pleased because all of these things start with the letter M. All right? I worked hard to make, make sure that, that I did this so that you, you could remember these this week. And the first one is this. And you're going to say, no possible way. But here's the first one. Choose a week of media fasting. Choose a week of media fasting. Now, I know what you're saying right now. That, that is utterly impossible. That is utterly impossible. And maybe it may be for you. Maybe you need it for your work or whatever. Okay, so here's my, here's my next challenge for you. Choose a day of media fasting. I mean, when you see people... In fact, thankfully, right before prayer, I turned off my ringer. But I felt it jiggle in my pocket. Somebody's trying to call me. Don't they know where I am at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings? They tried to call me. <laughs> Maybe they were. Maybe they to get in. People have this thing glued to their hands 24-7. We sit down at dinner time and everybody's got one. We watch TV and... Somebody in my house is scrolling down through the... We love this thing. We love this thing. And you're saying, no, I can't even do it a day. Okay, here's the challenge. Do it an hour. Okay, Just put your phone away for an hour. Something to think about. Point number two. Choose a week of more Bible reading and prayer. Choose a week of more Bible reading and prayer. If the average adult spends two hours and 24 minutes per day on the telephone or on the internet, social media, 
Maybe spend a chunk of that in prayer. Set a goal this week of opening your Bible instead of opening that app. The Bible is our source of truth, not the Internet. Now, I know there's a lot of good Christian sites on the Internet, and many of you go to those, and some of your 2.24 hours are in those sites, and I guess that's okay. But the Bible, there's something about holding God's Word in our hand and opening it. The Bible is our source of truth, not the Internet. It's our playbook for life in this difficult world. It's where we find answers to life's complex problems. It's in the Bible. And we've said this a million times. It's our final authority on what we believe and how we behave. Choose a week of more Bible reading and prayer. Number three, choose a week of meeting with friends. Choose a week with meeting of, with friends. COVID has messed this up big time. COVID has messed up fellowship, which is one of the priorities of our church. We are a church that fellowships. And right about the time we got our new building done, we met in there for a couple weeks and had fellowship right after. And somebody brought treats and we had coffee and we sat down at tables and we conversed and we talked and we fellowshiped and we hugged and we shook hands. And then, yeah, COVID came and boy, it just shut down all that. I think... We might be seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Friday's headlines read, Walls to Ease Limits on Groups. Thank you, Governor. <laughs> so I was driving from my house into Mayer to go to the hardware store, and I noticed... You can't go anywhere without me knowing, all right? I noticed some of our church people at... Agave, the restaurant there. So immediately I texted and said, hey, why wasn't I invited to Agave? And then I found out that the two church cars I did see multiply that by like five, and a group of our church people were meeting together. I didn't care if I was invited. I love the, the fact that our church people was meeting together at, in Agave and fellowshipping together. Next time I want to be invited. <laughs> Make meeting with other believers a priority, and I think we can slowly begin to do that now. Choose a week of media fasting. Choose a week of more Bible reading and prayer. Choose a week of meeting with friends. And lastly, choose a week to minister to others. To minister to others. Write a note. Write a note. Make a call. You know, the Lord, I know, puts people on your heart. You know, the Lord puts people on your heart. Write a note to them. Make a call. Cook a meal. Cook a meal. Send a text. Send an email. I imagine that if, if, if this afternoon you said, Lord, bring to mind somebody that may need something from me, I bet you ten names will come up. I think I've shared with you that somebody from our church, secret, I don't know who they are, sent Vicki and I cards almost weekly with notes of encouragement and gifts and my goodness, what a blessing that was to Vicki and I. So choose a week of media fasting. Be aware of false teachers. You can find a lot of false information on the internet. Choose a week of more Bible reading and prayer. 
I, our, our title was Detox to Discipleship. Choose a week of more Bible reading and prayer. Choose a week of meeting with friends. I think we can begin to do that now. Choose a week with meeting and friends. And choose a week to minister to others. You know what's crazy? Jesus goes through all this. And look at chapter 13, verse 1. It's like, this is a hard thing to get through. Jesus is talking to them about all of this outward stuff and how not really important it is. Look at verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 1 in Mark. As he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. <laughs> I mean, is that crazy? Jesus is talking about the heart, and the guy is leaving the temple. He must not have heard anything Jesus said. He said, Look at the temple. Isn't it beautiful? All outward. Look at the big rocks that they used to build that temple. Isn't it a magnificent building? And Jesus must just be shaking his head. I just spent a long time with you talking about how important the insides are. Now you're showing me how important this temple is. And Jesus says, Do you see all these great buildings? Replied Jesus, Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. This is about 33 A.D. and 70 A.D. The Romans come in and completely destroy the temple, never to be rebuilt again. Jesus is not interested in physical temples. He's interested in your temple, which is the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So, remain in constant relationship with the vine, Jesus. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, that's what it's all about, a relationship with you. This is not a religion. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. We've heard people say that all the time. But it's true. It's true. Having a relationship with Jesus is what Christianity is all about. And in that relationship, well, we learn to love more. We learn to give more. We learn to encourage more. We learn to hug more. We learn to just be with each other. And then go into a world that desperately needs to know the Jesus that we know and the Jesus that we love and the Jesus that we have a relationship with. Help each of us to take a peek inside of our hearts and reassess whether we've been doing a lot of outward things with no internal value and maybe make a few changes. Maybe those changes have to do with what we look at. The internet versus your word. Maybe those changes have to do with who we hang around with. Maybe some Christians as well as some non. And maybe just serving one another is what it's about as well. So Lord, we know garbage in, garbage out, but truth in, truth out. Jesus said the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these things make a person unclean or make a person clean. So may we be filled up with you, our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Minnetrista Baptist Church is a community of Christ followers who value preaching and teaching scripture, biblical obedience, community, prayer, and evangelism. If you'd like to learn more about Minnetrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at minnetristachurch.org 
and come by for a Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you.